Welcome to Greater Alton Church. My name's Tim, and it's good to be with you this morning. We're in a new series this Sunday called A Paradigm Shift. Have you ever changed your mind about anything? Oh, maybe I should ask the men. Have you ever changed your mind? Wow, we got some brave souls here today. Yeah, we've all changed our minds at some time. That's experiencing maybe a, a type of paradigm shift. But when you have you ever changed your mind in such a way where as you've looked at something the same way for maybe a number of years, and then you hear something you've never heard before, or you see something you never saw before, you've experienced something new, and all of a sudden it just changes everything. I mean, the world's still the same. Your relationships are basically still the same. Where you work is still the same. You still drive the same car, but it's like something has shifted. Something has moved, and now you're seeing things from a different perspective. Ever had that happen to you? They should be happening often, especially as a believer. In 1962, a scientist by the name of Thomas Kuhn coined the phrase paradigm shift. And what he talked about was a paradigm shift occurs when we learn something new that changes our perspective and leads to possibly a radical change in our life. And he was challenging the scientific community one day with this idea, and he showed this picture of this duck. There it is, the picture of a duck. And he said, you look at the duck, and you see this duck, and you." And he says, and what you see is, it's kind of like our paradigm. We see things a certain way, we view things a certain way, and we notice the duck. But he says, but if you look at it a little longer, you notice something else. There's a rabbit. You see the rabbit? Now there's a rabbit. What's the deal? Is it a duck or a rabbit? It's both! It just, just a little, what, it's Easter. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But you'll notice that it's, it's not only a duck, it's a rabbit. And he says, and that's an example of a paradigm shift. We begin to see what we've always seen a certain way. We've grown up seeing. We've concluded. But then it starts to shift and change. And he was pushing the scientific envelope back in the sixties. And from that, we've had all kinds of paradigm shifts. Maybe some you've even lived with. I remember the first time somebody showed me the Internet. Now, I know some of you here have been alive all your life. The Internet's been around. I, I'm telling you, in my day, we didn't have no thing like Internet. No, we went to the library and checked out a book, or we talked to somebody that had gray hair. That's how we learned, and we loved it. We liked it. No, I remember the first time, one time I was in a parts department putting in a windshield and this guy goes, come here, you gotta see this, Tim. I go, what is it? Look, and, it, and he has this funny looking contraption I've never seen before. What is that? He goes, it's called a laptop. A laptop? It's a computer. They're making them this small now? And this thing was, it was, and, and he goes, but look what's on it. I'm looking. And he goes, watch this. And he hits a button and all of a sudden you hear this, sound, and AOL appears on the street. America Online. I go, well, what's that? Don't you know what this is? This is cutting edge. It's the Internet. And I'm going, okay, what do you catch with the Internet? I'm assuming, you know, fishing. Wow, what are you doing with it? He goes, well, let me show you. And he searches for something. Hits search, and two things appear. Not pages. Two things. You get all kinds of stuff on the internet. Really? Because yeah, man, all kinds of information all over the world. And I'm going, 
Man, if I want to get some information, I just read my newspaper, watch TV, go down to the library, I'll get all that I want. No, no, Tim, this is going to revolutionize everything. I'm going, I don't know. And now I have an iPhone. And it, I, can, I, I can get all kinds of things. Some of you are using your iPhone today. Maybe you're playing a game. God, strike them dead. Oh, wait, there's some people waving. Oh, it's good. Sorry. Last week I'm doing a sermon on, on the resurrection and people are checking me out to see if I know, but I know what I'm talking about. Googling my stuff. I Googled you. I wanted to see if you were telling the truth. So I got on the internet and that's, boy, if you want to know the truth, there's the place to go. Am I right? I mean, what do you do? I, this week, I dropped my cell phone in the toilet. And it wasn't number one. And I watched my cell phone drop in the toilet and I grab it. When it's your own stuff, it's not as bad, okay? And there's stuff hanging off of it and dripping off of it. I kid you not. And I'm going, and I quickly rinse it. <laughs> More water. I've got it in a case. I put it in floor dry, a bag of floor dry. And it's still working. And, you know, there's that sense of panic when your cell phone gets in water. Am I right? Or do you lose your cell phone? What am I going to do? You ever met those people that have the cell phone in their hand? And they only work one-handed. They long for the day that they can actually surgically attach the cell phone somewhere on the body. I need to call up Denise. And I'd push a button. Hey, Siri! <laughs> Technology has come so far, hasn't it? Because the envelope was pushed. There was a paradigm that said, oh, yeah, whatever. And then it got pushed and the Internet and technology has been pushed to the limit. Look at medicine. When they finally figured out the DNA code, now that I met somebody, I saw somebody yesterday or this uh, this past week that came into our shop that had a liver transplant, and they looked wonderful. They looked better than they did before they had the liver transplant. I didn't even know they had a bad liver. And they said, oh, "I said, how you feel? I feel great, Tim. I feel super." And I'm thinking to myself, well, "How's it not? How's that liver able to function that body? Because today with." All this DNA technology now and all the things we know about DNA, they're better able to match an organ with another person now. And so there's less rejection. Why, why DNA is now used in the criminal justice system. It revolutionized that. They went back to old cases and were able to show people innocent or guilty based on just DNA. It, in other words, it was the same crime, same people, same body, same parts. But this new paradigm, this shift that happened changed everything on how we do things. And it's not, not, not just there. It also, also is happening to you and I all the time. It's been happening since we were kids. Remember how you felt about Santa Claus? I'm not going to give away any secrets because I know you got some young ones in here and I don't want to blow their minds. Remember how you felt about Santa Claus? And then you found out some other things about Santa Claus? Oh, what happened? Paradigm shift. My granddaughter is watching all the new babies. They're having a baby. It's like Oprah. You're having a baby. You're having a baby. You're having a baby. Everybody's having babies, you know, right and left. 
and uh, Ashley uh, Grove is pregnant. You all probably knew that, right? We all knew that, yeah. If I, I, I told her, I said, I, I can't wait till you're having the child to say, oh, by the way, Ashley's pregnant, because then it looks kind of weird. But, um, but you know, what was interesting to me was, was that uh, Carmody goes, so Ashley, you're having a baby? Yeah, where's your baby? You have one, where, where is it? I don't know what she thinks about babies, but it's not what you think she's... I mean, she's she's got a paradigm right now that's got babies. When they say you got a baby, you go somewhere to get them. But she's going to find out, and see where they come from. Yeah, uh-oh. <laughs> Whoops. Huh. That's a new wrinkle. Paradigm shift for even small child. We've all had these happen to us. We've, we've looked at a certain way, certain things in a certain way. And then something happens and it shifts our, and begin, and we begin to see, we begin to see everything differently. It's all the same, but we see it differently. Somebody illustrated a paradigm shift like this. You see the world, it's all the same, but it's changed. It's just different. I see it differently now. These glasses are from the 70s. But the point I, I want to make though is it, is everything basically stays the same. Same house, same car. But all of a sudden, I see things in a new light. We'll say that sometimes, won't we? Something will happen, and we look at people differently. We look at Scripture differently. Hello. How many of you go to a certain passage, and that's what it's going to say, no matter what anybody tells you? I've been conditioned that way. I go to passages, even to this day, and I go, that's what it says, and that's what I believe, and... Not thinking maybe there's a, a rabbit in there somewhere, not just a duck. And and if we're not careful, we get stuck in the duck. When God says, Look, I want to show you some rabbits. You know, we get real nervous when, when this kind of stuff happens, am I right? When you mess around with my paradigm, you're messing around with me because see your paradigm and my paradigm is shaped by the information we receive and the experiences that we have. And and no wonder people can take a book like this and get different things out of it because there's all these different paradigms approaching it. How come I can't agree? how come my wife and I don't agree on everything? She has a different paradigm, different experiences. You can take identical twins, and though they look the same, they have a different paradigm. That's why they argue. That's why they just grow up different. We are, we, all of our paradigms we have are a collection of everything we've seen and heard and felt over time. They're always changing. Would you agree with that? I just proved it. You're not thinking about Santa the same way you used to or sex the way you used to. It changes. You don't think about money. You don't think about uh, cars and clothing the way you used to about people the way you used to. You ever had somebody you pigeonholed in a certain category? Then you get to know them and they're not like what you thought and all of a sudden you see them differently. It's a paradigm shift. They happen all the time. I'm 60 years old and I'm still having paradigm shifts. And oh, how you like to resist it. And you don't have to be 60 or 70 or 80. It, you can be 6 and resist it. No! We're playing hi-ho cheerio this way! My three-year-old says to me, No! You sit over there! 
I'm already getting bossed around by my grandkids. But she'll have a paradigm shift. Because there'll be a day she wants to come to old Papa for some money. And oh, how nice we'll be then, huh? Yeah, we all have them. We all have them. Religiously speaking, we have all these paradigm shifts. I remember I had a view that basically said, look, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. That's all that matters. God just looks at your heart and your sincerity, and that's all that matters. But have you ever been sincerely wrong? Many times. Many times I have. I used to have this idea that many roads lead to heaven. I thought that that sounds good, doesn't it? That sounds right. Many roads lead to heaven. And yet Jesus says there's only one road that leads to heaven. And it's a narrow road and only a few find it. Ooh. Paradigm shift. I used to believe if you ask Jesus to come into your heart with a prayer, that that's what makes you a Christian. And I can't find that prayer in the Bible. I've been still looking for that loophole, trying to find that prayer. Well, you confess Jesus is Lord. That isn't, that isn't the sinner's prayer. You're just admitting He's Lord. And you're going to be, you're going to be His disciple. Now, all these, these church customs and traditions and the things you and I have grown up with, some of them good, some of them terribly bad because they've been based on a paradigm. And even to this day, you know, the way we do church, it's challenged. I hear some of you say, I wish we, you know, we used to do it this way. You're stuck with the duck, see. You don't want to find a rabbit. You're like the duck. You love the duck. You want the duck as a pet. That's the way the scriptures, with how we do church. And it's always that duck, it's always somewhere when we, when we experience Christ. We felt the best. And that's what we're trying to recreate. Been there. Done that. I do that. Still do that. My paradigm is challenged all the time. You get married and your paradigm will be challenged within a nanosecond of I do. You know what you agreed to? No. Well, just wait and see. Even Jesus challenged paradigm shifts too. Look at this passage in Romans 12. The Bible talks about paradigm shifts. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. He's saying, you don't learn how to think from the things of this earth. You're not going to find the best thoughts on this earth. He says, but let God transform you. He's saying, you surrender. You let God transform you into a new person. By how? By changing the way you think. By changing your paradigm. What will happen if I do that? Well, if you do, then you will learn to know God's will for you. What is good and pleasing and perfect. When's the last time God changed a paradigm and it changed so much that you started viewing your possessions, your relationships, you started viewing church, community, sin, differently. Same people. Same church, same ministry, same community, same money, same job, but it's all of a sudden I just see it in a different light. It's changed everything on how I see it. See, that's what God wants to do to you and I here at Greater Alton. He wants to change our paradigms. Every Sunday morning, I'm trying to change your paradigm. You know that? And some of you are, yeah, I know, and you haven't done it yet. I know. 
Some of you are pretty stubborn. And God will never change the way. I'm not going to trust you. I'm not saying trust me. The Bible says trust the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. You know what? You better not, don't trust me, but don't trust yourself too. Trust the Lord. But, you know, so God wants to transform me into something, a new person. Somebody that, you know, uh, you ever notice that when people are gone a while, then they come back, they just look so different. I'm on my smartphone the other day. Child stars that don't look anything like they used to. Well, that's because they were kids. What do you expect? But we see people, we, we, see, we haven't seen them for years, and they're different. They shave. You know, they're responsible. They seem to have gotten better. They, there's been some changes. They're not the same person they used to. God wants to make you and I into new people. A new person. In other words, you're not to stay the same. Oh, I'm, I'm, Tim, I'm old. I'm ready to check out. It's too late for me. No, He doesn't want you to stay the same. We all have paradigm shifts in front of us. And He wants to give us a new perspective and have new plans with a new purpose and new priorities. And see, nothing will change until I change what I think. That's why Jesus challenges the paradigms around Him. He's constantly challenging the paradigms of people. Look up here on the screen. Even the Sermon on the Mount is an example. I I took out... Folks, I took out 30 Scriptures that didn't I couldn't put my sermon. I had too many paradigm-shifting sermons. But even Jesus, in Matthew chapter 5, He would say things like this, You've heard it said to you, blah, 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 but I say to you, You've heard it said about murder, but I say to you this. You've heard it said about, about money or about adultery, but I'll tell you this. Let me tell you this. You've always believed, and to this point, have believed this and this about all kinds of things. Maybe marriage or commitment or justice. But I tell you this. What's he saying? You're thinking this way. I'm trying to get you to think another way. Don't fool yourself. Every Sunday morning, God's trying to change you. Trying to change your paradigm. That's my goal. That's my goal. That's why I believe God put me here to change paradigms. Not only my own, but those that I have impact and influence on. And it doesn't just happen on Sundays. It happens every day of your life. Paradigms are being challenged with a problem, with a person, with a pressure, with a pleasure. And God wants to shift. You experience a paradigm shift. You see, as a follower of Christ, I should expect paradigm shifts to occur. I should expect what I think to be challenged. I should be all, I should be, guys, when I changed from this to this, I wasn't done changing, were you? When I shifted my thinking over from this kind of idea to another idea, am I done? Are you done? In fact, I found out sometimes paradigm shifts do this. I shift over and I see it. And but like a joint that's been popped out of socket and it's hard to get it back in I get it back in place, sometimes it'll shift right back to my default switch. All the time. I how you know I know what God wants me to do here, but I'm more comfortable, I'm more familiar, I'm more secure with this kind of thinking.
And so I get stuck with the duck. God doesn't want you to be stuck with the duck. He wants to, wants to show you some rabbits. He wants to shift your thinking. Look at this passage in Ephesians 4. Throw off your old evil nature, the old you that was a partner in your evil ways, rotten through and through. Verse 23. Now your attitudes and thoughts must all be constantly changing for the better. He's saying to the church at Ephesus, you should expect your paradigms to be constantly changing toward a goal, toward something better. You must be a new and different person. Sounds like Romans 12. You must be a new and different person. Holy and good. Clothe yourselves with this new nature. This new thinking. Clothe yourselves. Put it on. Hold it tight. Learn. Grow. And let it always be occurring. Let it always be growing. Always be changing. What is the last time God changed a paradigm in your life where you saw everything differently? You saw your family differently, your school differently, or you work differently. You see your bank account differently. You see serving and ministry differently. How you spend your time differently. How you see God working. I think sometimes our paradigms keep us from seeing God working. And He wants to shift it. I've been told by deer hunters, I tried it, I don't even know if it's the correct way to hunt. So you deer hunters out there that have actually killed something, okay, I'm not worthy, okay? But I I remember back in the 70s, uh, someone introduced me to this term, still hunting. I don't even know if people do it anymore. But you're up in the stand forever, nothing happens. So you get out of the stand and you're walking through the woods with your gun and you take one step and stop. And I would say, well, how long do you wait? Look around. Yeah, I'm in a hurry. I'm walking through like I'm in a mall. Take another step. Why do we do that? Because all these trees, just one step changes the view and the perspective. And you might see, and it's happened to me. I take one step. That's a deer. Of course, I wasn't a good shot, but that's, but that's a, to me, I can't believe just one step, just one little shift, and you see something you couldn't see before. Something about God. Something about yourself. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to talk about this. How can I experience a paradigm shift? Because folks, church, listen. Greater Alton, we need to experience a paradigm shift. We're due. We're due. We've been stuck with ducks long enough. Amen? Some of you, God wants to make, wants to shift you. He wants to change you a little bit. He wants to give you, just get, we're not talking about lots of steps here. Just one little shift and open up a whole different idea for you. You couldn't, I can't, you can't, we can't handle it all at one time. But He wants to change your life. He wants to change your marriage. He wants to change your plans. He wants to change your purpose. He wants to change you into a new person. And it starts by changing the way you think. How do I do that, Tim? You've got my curiosity. Well, how do we do that? First, I open up my mind. I come to God with an open mind. Are you open-minded? Well, I'd like to think so. Well, yeah, I know you would like to think so. And I'd like to think I'm open-minded. Do people think you're open-minded? 
Ask your spouse. Ask your kids. Ask your parents. Ask your grandparents. Ask your friends. Ask your co-workers. Ask your boss. Would they say, yeah, yeah, you're open-minded. We all think we're open-minded. And I find the will of God and I find that moment of paradigm shift when I come to God with an open mind. Look at the Bible says here in Psalms 119. Open my mind, David says, and let me discover the wonders of your law. See, we all have paradigms, like I said before, and they're all a collection of what we've experienced, what we've learned. And we interpret everything through that. We interpret life, everything that's going on, that's happening to us, that we're doing, through that paradigm. Now here's the misnomer about our paradigms. About your paradigm and my paradigm. And that's this. My perspective, here's the misnomer, that my perspective sees all there is to see. That somehow I've I've got it all. We're lying to ourselves, folks. I see the duck and that's all there is. Or I see the rabbit and I don't see the duck. Actually, there's a bad picture of a duck. Ducks aren't furry. I just don't like that picture, Tim. I get it. But we have this idea, this assumption, well, how I see it is the way it is. That's why we butt heads with our spouse at times. Because we, you know, our wives try to say, you're such a hard head. What is wrong with you? Why are you being so stubborn? Well, you see the duck and she sees the rabbit. And see, some of these ducks can be so stubborn in our life. Jesus encountered stubborn paradigms. Let me read you a couple of passages up here on the screen. This is after He fed 5,000 people. He fed 5,000 people and the book of Mark says this, they did not understand about the miracle of the five loaves because their minds were closed. That's, By the way, that's the same thing as a hard heart, I think the NIV says. Their hearts were hardened. In fact, if you ever do a study, do a word search, do it if you want to right now, type in heart and hardened, or type in heart or hardened or hard, and how many times in Mark it keeps coming up, this hardened heart. And what's it mean? It means to have a closed mind. That's a couple of chapters later. Jesus feeds 4,000 people. Jesus asked them, why are you talking about not having bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your minds closed? Are you hard-hearted? He's asking them. Who are these people he's talking to? Mark says they didn't understand. Jesus says to them, who are they? Who are them? Followers of Christ. I thought maybe Pharisees and scribes. There's the guys, you know, the evil villains of the Bible, the scribes and the lunatics, you know, all the critics. I expect them to be hard-hearted. Not the disciples. Can you be hard-hearted and close-minded and be a disciple? Apparently you can. And Jesus zeroes in on that. And as a follower of Christ, as a disciple of Christ, it shouldn't surprise me from time to time, I'm going to be uncomfortable, I'm not going to like something, I'm going to be uneasy when my paradigm is being challenged by Jesus. You see, here's the thing about about having a closed mind. You can see facts. You can see miracles, but you don't catch the meaning of it. You don't catch the relevancy of it. You don't catch how it's connected to your life. So you can have this placebo effect of, I have Bible knowledge, but I don't have any transformation. I've got information, but it doesn't seem to be doing any transforming. Why? Because I have a paradigm 
that I'm, that I'm using to justify my response every time I hear it challenged. Some of you here, you'll hear, you could hear a sermon on giving. I'm not giving. We're going to have a special contribution. And we're trying, we're going to try to raise a hundred thousand dollars. I'm not planning on giving. Why not? I just think it's wrong. Where did you get that idea? Well, it's just wrong. I, that's all I've always, that's what I think. We could talk about serving. Well, I don't have time for that. You can learn sermon after sermon, be entertained. Jokes, stories, laughter, illustrations, testimonies, movie clips, special singing, crazy stage antics, and you know what? We still go away going, no, I'm not doing that. Why not? Because I just don't see that. I don't know what it is. I'll tell you what it is. It's your paradigm. Your present paradigm is keeping you from seeing the meaning, the relevancy, the connection. You know what? I am dead serious. I want you to tell you something. I'm trying to preach for life change, but I need some cooperation around here. Huh? I knocked myself out preparing this stuff. Are you preparing? Are you preparing to hear something and go, I'm going to do that. That's in the Bible, and I'm going to do that. You know what happens? Our paradigm. I remember last time I tried that, and it didn't work. That's my paradigm, see? Keeps me from growing. Keeps me from changing. Keeps me from maturing. Just robs me. Oh, I've got all this knowledge in my head, and I can quote a Scripture passage, and I can tell people blah, 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 and who cares? You're not changing. Why would you... It, what is the, what, how can it be good news if it isn't doing anything good in me? I'm basically the same person. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5. <laughs> I think it's funny. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Never rely on what you think you know. And I know some of you wives would love your husband to catch the second part of that passage. Don't need to rely on what you know, honey. You don't know what you're talking about, you know. And I mean, I look at this and I'm going, wow, does that mean I'm not supposed to trust what I think? Yeah. Are you sure, Tim? I don't think you can fully trust. I can't fully trust myself. You can't fully trust yourself. Why? Because our paradigms are undeveloped. They're flawed. They're limited. Can I get an amen out there? Am I right about that? All of our paradigms, they've got a little flaw in them, a little kink, a little crack in the armor. They're a little twisted. They're not quite right. They're needing constant adjustment for them to be what they need to be. And by the way, your paradigm now, you've moved from something else and you've been to the better. If you've done that, you think God's done with you? Isn't He wanting you to move on to something even better? Of course. Of course. I can't rely on what I think I know because I don't know it all. I have so much more to learn. That means there's more shifting coming. More moving coming. More challenging coming. And this makes me nervous. How about you? Makes me uncomfortable. How about you? Because now you're messing with my sacred cow and you're sounding like we got to take it to the slaughterhouse. And I'm not ready for that. We come to our pet Scriptures. We come to our pet songs. Our pet ways of doing things. There's no room for something different. 
Is that what God's leading us to? This absolute type of thinking, like I got, I I know all I need to know now. I mean, some of us here, I wanted to tell you, some of you are satisfied with what you know now, and you're robbing yourself of so much that God wants to give you because you're satisfied where you are. I don't want to learn anymore. I want to stay the same. I like where I'm at. It's secure. It's familiar. I like it. And God's saying, but you, if you could just shift a little, I could show you something that would make it even better. Now, I've got to come to the Lord with an open mind. He's, he cannot change a closed mind. I noticed Jesus never forced people. He didn't grab by the ears or the hair. You're going to listen to me or I'm going to... No, he... They'd walk away. He'd let them walk away. And He'll let you walk away from a challenge. Look at the Bible says here what, what uh, David has said. Give me understanding. And the Amplified Bible kind of gives you what he's, what he's trying to say there. A teachable heart and the ability to learn that I may keep your law and observe, all, observe it with all my heart. I may have trouble learning some things, my education not the greatest. You know, I grew up on a farm in the middle of southern Illinois. I know some people might say, you know, Tim, what kind of degrees you got? And I said, I've got, well, see, 98 point whatever my temperature. I got that degree, you know. Uh, did you go to preach? I went to preacher school. I completed their program. Yeah, well, what's it? I mean, I, I want you to know there's, I have limits. I know that to learning and learning skills. That's why I've learned in the last several years I need help with that. But you know what? I know I can have. And you can have it regardless of your education. You can have a teachable heart. You can open your heart up just as wide as anybody else. Praise God. It starts there. Number two, I ask God to help me understand. I know that's a no-brainer, no pun intended, but that's true. Isn't it? I ask God, help me understand this because there's just some things I just don't understand. And so, you know, I, I was told by an old guy when I was 20, Tim, when you get old like me, you're going to have more questions than you do have answers. And I go, not me! Not me, buddy! Me too. I now have more questions. What's the future look like? What's heaven all about? What's, what's the future? What's, where's, the, where's, where's the kingdom going? What's the next wave for God's people? I don't know. I don't know how to answer all the questions. Somebody will ask me a question after church, and I go, I really don't know the answer. Well, you seem so prepared when you're talking. Yeah, I know, I'm prepared there, but I'd have to go home and prepare this answer. I don't know if I could give you that answer. I forget so much. And so I find myself like David here going, I'm your servant, Lord. Give me understanding so that I may know your teachings. Why are you asking for God's help, David? Because this is very important you need to catch. Folks, there are just some things you're not going to learn on this earth, from this earth. You hear me? There are certain things you're not going to find the answer to by looking around on YouTube or TV or whatever, trying to find, oh, there'll be a, there'll be a, an answer here. There's only God supplies the answer. Proverbs 2, ask for good judgment. Cry out for understanding. Look for wisdom like silver. Search for it like hidden treasure. If, there's the if. If you do this, you will understand what it means to respect the Lord and you'll come to know God. The Lord is the source of wisdom. Knowledge and understanding come from His mouth. Who am I to ask for this wisdom? Who am I to ask for good judgment? Well, it's not nothing wrong with asking other people that have good judgment, 
that's grounded in the Bible. You can ask him, but you know I need to make sure I'm asking the Lord. Lord, what, what do I do with this now? What do I do with this problem now? Where's the answer for this? Help me understand this tough passage. I don't get it, so I avoid it. I don't read it but once. And I leave it later, right? It's in there for a reason. So I ask God to help me. I open up my heart, and then I say, Lord, would you help me? And by the way, look, James says he promises to give wisdom to those who ask for it. There's been many times, many I can't count, and I, I've lost count, where I'm so, I don't know what to do, Lord. Would you just give me the thoughts and, and nothing happens. And I get in my truck while I'm driving. There's not a pad of paper or a pen in sight. And here they come. Bam, 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 bam. I'm going, wait a minute, wait a minute. And I stop. And I start bawling because God, you're so good to me. That is so good. Oh my goodness. Now I see it. Just experienced a paradigm shift. I see it totally different now. Oh, that problem was giving me fits. Oh, that struggle was just messing with me. But then I get it and it doesn't bother me so much. I'm able to get above it for a change. All because I asked. Some of you here have Scriptures in your heart and in your brain that you've read and you've learned and they've been sitting dormant for years. You ask God for revelation. Ask God to help you understand. And here comes the verse. Here comes the memory. Here comes the moment. And all of a sudden, you're just... Same truck, same problems, same struggles, same thing. Everything's the same, but the perspective has changed. And it brings a grin to your face. Number three, God is able to produce a paradigm shift in my life when I meditate on the thoughts of God. I think about what God is saying. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, where do you find thoughts like that? Where do I find purity and truth and nobility and and what's right and what's lovely. Where do I look, where do I look to find admirable, things that are admirable or excellent or praiseworthy? Where do I find them? Do I find them on TV? Give me the TV show that does that. Plop in front of my TV. I do it myself and just let all those carnal, crazy, twisted thoughts just pour in my head. And what do I find myself doing? I find myself, and by the way, we never outgrow it, fellas. When we were kids, remember when we were John Wayne or we were Clint Eastwood and we're pow, 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 pow. We're trying to live out what we saw on TV. And as we get older, we find ourselves still being influenced by the thoughts that garbage puts in our head. How about YouTube? We'll go on the Internet. We'll go on media. We'll find... I've got a news feed. I don't know why this is happening to me. But I'll get on my cell phone, on my smartphone... And I start going through the news feed, and all of a sudden something very crazy, twisted. What is that doing on my phone? And then it dawns on me, well, my phone, it tracks what I look at. Hello? Why is that on my phone? They think I'd be interested in that. Who gave them that impression? My thumb. I don't know how you work your phone, but that's how I work mine. 
And I'm saying to myself, so I'm, I'm, now I'm going, don't like this, don't like this, don't like this, don't like this. And guess what's happened? That stuff magically disappeared. You can't tell me that Satan isn't trying to put just bad thoughts in our heads. Pessimistic thoughts in our heads. Faithless thoughts in our heads. Because he knows, like God, if I can get you to think that way, then you'll end up making decisions the same way. It's all about our thinking. I mean, ask yourself, the last 24 hours, how many things have you found praiseworthy on your smartphone? You find out it's not so smart, is it? Yeah. You see, I never think... Listen, church, I will never... You and I will never think like God with a casual approach to what He thinks, what He says. You'll never get the deep truths and the thoughts of God that will change you with a casual approach of here and now, every once in a while. Well, the bulk of my study is on Sunday mornings listening to Tim Yap. Really? That's it? You're not searching yourself? Well, I trust you, Tim. You better do a good job. Don't, don't do that. Don't put that on me. God's wanting to change a paradigm that this sermon may not even have anything to do with. You see, thinking like God is from reading His Word, reflecting on His Word, and requesting for wisdom. Those are the three R's to me. Reading, requesting, and reflecting. You know, David was a man, the Bible says, God said this about him. I have chosen David because he's a man after my own heart. What does he mean by the heart? The pumper? Or is he talking about where the seat where all of our thoughts are? The real me. The real you lie. The, what's the Bible say? Something like, does it, who knows the thoughts of a man, of thoughts in his heart, but the man who has them? And who knows the thoughts of God other than God Himself? And David says, well, if only God knows His thoughts, then I'm going to go after His heart. I'm going to go after His thoughts. And look what he says here in Psalms 119. I will meditate on your precepts and think about your ways. How often do you think about what God has to say? i tell you what, I, I said it this week, I think about Jesus all the time and it bothers me. It doesn't always go, Yay, Jesus! Sometimes it just bothers me. Because I can't do something wrong without thinking of Him. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I can't, I can't think that thought without even going, oh, Tim, what are you doing? Oh, you caught me again. I meditate. What's happened? I've got these thoughts of God in me now and they're just all over the place and they're, they're sticking their nose in places I didn't think He was going to do. But He will. Because once you get a thought of God in your head, it starts finding its way through your brain, through your heart. Why? Why are you meditating, David, on the precepts and thinking about God's thoughts? Because God has the best thoughts of life. The best are from the Lord. I can't find them from this world. It's all crooked and twisted. But I can count on God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. You can't find it on earth. So dwelling and meditating... Some of you guys know stats, statistics of sports figures better than you know the Scriptures. You're filling your head with information 
oh yeah, you're really impressive when we talk about baseball, but I'll tell you what, uh, when it comes to the kingdom, you're not so impressive, are you? We need to fill our thoughts. I meditate. I ruminate. I think about it. I, I, I've said this for years. It's like a Hershey's kiss. I take two Hershey kisses, folks, and I put them together, the base of them together, and I put it in my mouth. Now, some of you, you put a Hershey's kiss in your mouth. What's wrong with you? You just start chewing it like it's like meat or something. What are you doing? Chewing it. Don't chew Don't, don't swallow it. What? Oh, wasted moment. I take them and I put them in my mouth and I roll them around and I'm painting the whole inside of my mouth. You know, right? And then you get, if, I don't know if you're a milk guy, I am too. And I put some milk in my mouth, freeze it all back up and start the process all over again. Hallelujah. Pass the peas. This is awesome. I'm sitting there going, there's an explosion in my mouth of chocolate splendor. Why? Because I'm rolling it around. I'm thinking. And you're telling me the thoughts of God when David says, I meditate. I, I think about them. I roll them around everywhere. I let them coat the whole inside of my head. And then I find wonderful, sweet, wonderful stuff. Great stuff. You change my thinking. I was shown this a couple years after I was a Christian. Psalms 1. Happy is the per- this is David speaking from experience. Happy is the person who doesn't listen to the wicked. He doesn't go where sinners go. He doesn't do what bad people do. Oh, thought, oh yeah, I'm supposed to be in bars. I'm supposed to be doing that. What are you saying, babe? I, I'm getting the, I'm getting this. You're not going to find the best thoughts here on earth. He loves who's this happy guy? He loves the Lord's teachings. You love with God's love letters. I have love letters from my wife. In my memory box. I love them. Especially at XOXO. I'll never forget when I first saw that. Oxa, Oxa, Oxa. What's that word mean? Asking my friends, what's that mean? They go, don't you know what that means? And she wants to hug you and kiss you. Oh, I've still got some letters like that. XOXO, XO. I love that. God's Word is full of those hugs and kisses. He loves the Lord's teachings. It's obvious. I love my wife and I love her letters. It should be obvious I love the Lord and love His letters. He thinks about these teachings day and night. He thinks about them all the time. Well, he's investing a lot of time in it, that's for sure. He's meditating. And look what happens. He is strong. His faith is strong. Like a tree planted by a river. It produces fruit. The character the thoughts lead to a new person. Change. Fruit. Now, we had an apple tree that Susan Chapel gave us a few years ago. We got apples from them for the very first time. And I cut one of those apples open. I sprayed them at the right time. No worms in the apples. And I clean them off and I take a bite. And it's so good. Oh, I loved them. Making my mouth water now. Can't wait this year. And the fruit that God wants to produce in our life... There's nothing sweeter than the character of Christ, church. Nothing sweeter than to be like Jesus. And there's nothing sweeter than to see that fruit reproduce to seeing someone else become a Christian. The seeds in there work. And to see my influence, to see your influence spread. He says His leaves don't die. They don't wither when it gets bad. They have this resiliency. And they're able to go. And everything He does will succeed. What does that mean, everything he does? Everything he does, it's got to be the will of God, of course, will succeed. 
We try to put, well, I'm in the Word all the time, but I'm wanting to do what I want to do. Why isn't it succeeding? Well, maybe it's not what God wants you to do. (laughs) Think about it. So I open my mind. I ask God to help me. I meditate for God to, uh, uh, on His thoughts. And the fourth thing is, I make a commitment to trust God. And this is where, this is, this is a big deal. Because this determines if the information is going to lead to transformation. Because I have to start trying it. Like David said, I test your word. It's been thoroughly tested. I start applying it. Look at it says in Colossians 3 here. Focus your minds on things above, not things on things here on earth. In other words, I make a commitment, Lord. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to focus on what you have to say, but I'm going to trust you. Again, here's Proverbs 3 again. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. What's he mean by trust? It's a decision I make. A choice I make to turn to him. To trust him. Again, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God, look at that, let God, circle that, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. It's a decision to let God have His way. I don't know of any better example of somebody's mind, his paradigm getting shifted, than Peter when he walked on water. I look at this passage, and I listened to some people this week, and I was just... Wow, never thought of these things. You find this this story in Matthew chapter 14. And if you remember, the disciples are in a boat, and they're in a boat, and a storm is brewing. Now, Peter's past experience tells him, like all fishermen, that if you're going to be in a storm in the open water, the safest place to be is where? In the boat. Right? So it's him and the eleven guys that are hunkered down the boat, and it's doing all this stuff. And they've been in storms before, but to make matters worse, they see somebody walking on the water. That ain't something they've seen before. And all of a sudden, it's a g- g- ghost, like Jaws. It's a shark. It's a g- g- ghost. And and they're going, oh my gosh! And, and what's Jesus do? Everything's moving around. The boat's going crazy. Now we got a ghost. This is getting off way bad. This is going going bad. And all of a sudden, the ghost talks. It is no, I'm not a ghost. I'm Jesus. Take courage, it is I, the, the Bible says. Guys, be it's okay, it's me. I'm thinking about here's what's happening. The boat's rocking, the boat's going back and forth, shifting things over here, shifting things over there. Just just like our thoughts, they get all jumbled and they're shifting all over the place when we're going through something. Am I right? You're going through something. Some of you are going through something and you're just like, one minute you're going, okay, I got it. Only the next minute, no, I don't got it. And then, oh yeah, I got it. No, I don't got it. Back and forth, this is boxes, fishing lures, all kinds of stuff shifting in the boat. But inside Peter, there's something shifting and it's his paradigm. Back and forth, from faith to fear, faith to fear, faith to fear. And then Jesus says, it's me, take courage. Choose the faith, in other words. Don't be afraid anymore. And what's Peter say? Okay. No, he says something that blows my mind. If it's you, tell me to come out and walk on that water with you. I get to see the other loving. Peter's lost his mind. No, Peter's about to experience a paradigm shift. Because Jesus says, What'd you say? Basically, uh, 
If you're trying, listen, Lord, if this is an opportunity to get out of the familiar safe boat, what I'm used to, what I know, what I'm familiar with, what I'm secure with, and step out into something unfamiliar, something I've never thought of before, tell me to come out there. And Jesus says, come. You want to change? You want to change your mind on something? God wants to cooperate with you. Come on out. And as soon as he steps out of the water, catch this, he steps out of the water. He's walking on the water. And he sees he's out on the open uh, ocean, the open water. No longer in the familiar, no longer in the safe, no longer in the secure. He's in a place where Jesus is, which is open water. And he's thinking differently. He's just experienced a paradigm shift. He sees the power of God. And when you're out there, when you're out there in the open water, you don't have, listen folks, you don't have time to think about being back there. You say, but Peter sunk. Didn't he sink? Yeah, paradigms are stubborn. Back and forth. Paradigms are stubborn. They're just stubborn. By the way, this isn't the, by the way, this isn't the last time Peter would have a, a challenge to change his thinking about courage. Am I right? Over and over again. Why? Because they're stubborn ducks. They're stubborn ducks. And I want you to know God wants you to be able, wants you to experience something else besides the same old thing, the same old way. That's why many of you today came to church bored to tears. That's why many of you came to church today with the same old expectations. You show up late, you come sauntering in, and what are we going to talk about? Let's just, just welcome each other. Hey man, how's the weather? How's it going? Doing the same old thing, the same old way, and God's going, man, Greater Alton, well, you guys are so stuck in the duck. When are you going to get to the rabbits? When are you going to change your thinking? That's what this series is going to try to do. This could be the series of the year. Because I don't know what's going to happen. Okay, I don't have it all planned out. This could be the series of the year. You want to pay attention this time. Because God's there's somebody here that God's trying to get you to change your mind about something. And it's going to have a tremendous impact on everything else in your life. I just think it's amazing. Same boat, same storm, same disciple, same Jesus. But Peter's not the same person. And God wants you to know, you might go to the same job, the same car, the same house, in the same small group, in the same whatever. In the same, you look in the mirror, it seems like the same person. But inside, there's been a paradigm shift. And God wants to give that to you. He wants you to experience the power of that. Remember when, when God changed your mind one other time? And you went, Wow! He's got some more wows waiting for you. And I pray that in this series that we'll not rob ourselves or fool ourselves into just getting more information, getting more entertainment, getting more, oh, that was funny. <laughs> well, and that's it. Look at this last passage. James says this. Do what God's teaching says. Do not just listen and do nothing. When you only sit and listen, you're fooling yourselves. Is it going to be a paradigm shift or is it going to, or is it going to be just some information? Or will it lead to transformation? You decide that. I want to ask you, every one of us here, that we make a commitment today to really 
be praying for this series. Not a gimmick here. I'm telling you, this could be the series for us. And ask God to help us change our way of thinking and change lives. You have a card in your bulletin and there's a chance for you to respond to this lesson today. And I pray that you uh, take the time, consider what you want to pray about, what you want to talk about with the Lord. But maybe there's a decision you want to write, I'm deciding to open my mind. Or I'm, I'm going to be asking God like crazy. Or, you know, Tim, I, I hear, but I don't trust. I see that what God does in the Bible, but it's never gotten connected to me. Pray that I can find the relevancy, that I can make that connection, that bridge from information to application, because it will lead to transformation. We're going to give you an opportunity to work on those cards while we sing a song, and then we'll take up a, we'll go sing another song and take up our weekly contribution. May God bless you to experience the power of a paradigm shift. Let's, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. It's so powerful, Lord. And Father, uh, I thank you for being so unsettled about this. I want to be unsettled about this, Lord. I thank you for that. And Father, I pray that we'll all be unsettled a little bit here. That we'll, no, a lot. Help us be unsettled a lot about this. Because it's this stuck thinking that's got us stuck. Father, help us see there's more going on. There's more could be going on. Father, some of our paradigms here have kept us from making another commitment. Making a commitment to You. Making a commitment to a ministry. Making a commitment to, to help somebody find the Lord. Father, we, we pray, Father, that we'll... Making a, commit, making a simple commitment to give. To, to share our possessions with others. To be generous. Lord, would You help us this morning? Help each of us this morning. Be unsettled by what our paradigm is keeping from happening. We know it's not perfect. We know it needs work. We know it's incomplete. Help us see that, Father, because you brought some of us, you brought us to so far to some good stuff. But Father, help us, help, we pray you'll finish the job. That your Holy Spirit, that your Holy Spirit, that He will just work and help us see what we don't see. And move and change into this new person you're wanting us to be. I see cars all the time, Father. Guys are working on them and they work about halfway through. They work about halfway through and restoring it and then they stop. And it just looks so ridiculous. And sometimes, Father, I mean, I look ridiculous here. I'm, I'm not done. And I get satisfied with not being finished. Father, I think we all sometimes get satisfied with that. God, would you help us stir us up, unsettle us, and surrender to you so you can finish the job and make us into this new person you see. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.